everybody, Mark here. Thanks so much for joining us for the Menlo Midweek Podcast. Today we have Cheryl Fletcher on the podcast with us, our pastor of adult discipleship, and she kicked off our series on Wired for Wonder last week, where we're diving into looking at God's wiring for us for wonder and awe and curiosity at the world around us and trying to make sense of it and find our place in it. So it was a really fun episode today as we jumped into some of the deeper themes throughout this book and answered some of your questions that you either wrote in on campus through our Wonderbox exercises or you sent to us at our team here at 650-600-0402. Again, I'd love to encourage you to take advantage of this opportunity to ask and send in any of your questions that you may have about faith or God, and we will do our best to try to answer as many of these as we can, um, both in this series, and we'll make a commitment to answering those after the series as well. It's just a standing part of our Menlo Midweek podcast, and uh, I'd love to encourage you to take advantage of that. I'd also love to encourage you to come onto our campuses this January for either our service project that we have later this month where we're going to be trying to prep over 265, I think, thousand food kits to send around the world for people struggling with food insecurity. So an amazing opportunity there, as well as if you are a parent and if you have noticed that maybe the children in your life are struggling with anxiety or depression or just having a hard time making sense of the world around them, then we're having a seminar later this month where we're bringing in professionals to help educate us as a community on how better to be in the lives of our kids and students and friends that are anywhere from the ages of zero to 18. So if this feels like this for you, I'd love for you to get some more information and register at menlo.church. And I'd love to see you there. I'd love to see you on campus for a service project or on campus in general. It's a great time of year to visit us. Uh, we are hopeful and expectant and ready for you. So if this is your first time coming onto a campus, I cannot wait for our team to see you there. And now let's go ahead and jump into today's podcast. Well, welcome everybody to the Menlo Midweek Podcast. My name is Mark. And we have Cheryl with us today. Yes. Cheryl, you are, you have all of the titles. Um, all I the think time. you have the running, um, the <laughs> running title. I guess you're, you have the running title for the person on this podcast with the most titles. I have had the most titles. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's probably yeah. true, too. I, not like that I have the most titles. I think I have had the most titles. I have a, <laughs> had had a lot of different, I don't know if my title changed, but. Sure, uh, but it, my role has had a lot of different different iterations okay. of it. I'm curious, what was your first job ever? Like oh, your first uh -huh. official paycheck that you got? Mm. Maybe not from like parents or family for doing stuff around the house, yeah. but like you went to work, you work for two weeks, and you're like, "Dang, I thought I was gonna get more than what I actually got." <laughs> Baskin Robbins. Baskin Robbins. Yeah, Redlands, California, and okay. um, don't tell the government, but <gasps> I think. It was the one place where you could get a job when you were like 15 oh. or four, like at an age when you shouldn't have been hired, I think. Okay. Or, and maybe you could, because we got sure. W-2 forms or yeah. whatever. So maybe we could be, but it was the only place that did hire like younger than 16 year olds or whatever. This is my dog, Queso. I don't know. They can see them on on the video. First dog on the podcast. First dog on the podcast. Oh, sorry um, that Jess can't be so here yeah, Bas loving it. Yeah, Baskin <laughs> Robbins. Um, yeah, and then I worked there through high school. Okay. I also worked at the local newspaper stuffing inserts into, oh. and there it was 
a um, bunch of uh, high school students and my mm-hmm. high school boyfriend was the boss guy. And there were these two older women who were, I don't know how old they were. Of course, you know, when you're, they were probably my age now, but they seem so old at that age. Okay. Um, and they, we, they, we call them the Muppets. I mean, behind their back. Sorry, mm. old ladies. But, uh, because they were really scroogey and we liked to listen to rock music, you know, yeah. it was the seventies yeah. and, um, and they did not like the rock music. They didn't like us to talk while we were inserting. Oh yeah. They were mean. So it was and a really so fun work environment. It was, <laughs> it was, it was super fun to be with my friends, but, and so the days that the, sometimes the ladies wouldn't be there and, mm. or one wouldn't be there and it'd be okay. Yeah. But, um, Anyway, so yeah, uh, Baskin Robbins, uh, my manager, Spike. Spike. That was his name. That's fun. That was, yeah, those, those were my first <laughs> real jobs. No way. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Mine was my first official job um, was actually salesperson for Vans, like the shoe company. The shoe, and they are having a revival. I don't know if you know this. But I just it. read some article yeah. in the Wall Street Journal or something. Yeah. I think they're trying to revive themselves. Yeah. So invest in vans. I know. One of my Okay, so yeah. you're a salesperson. How I old was. are you at this time? I was I think I might have been a little bit older than fifteen. Okay. Um mm-hmm. maybe okay. towards the end of high school or so. Are you in a store doing So this? I was in a store. Um, is is there an was... a vans store? I can't so remember. Like a sketchers. Stores. Okay. Yep. And yeah. uh, one of my best friends okay. worked at he was the stock person for this store. Totally. He got helped me get an interview, yep. prepped me on the questions or whatever. Yeah, totally. It was really fun. Um, but ended up working the summer there okay. in order to, I worked a few jobs that summer to try to pay for a trip that I had planned coming up in winter. So oh, okay. What was, was the fun. trip? The trip was with some, uh, some friends that we wanted to go first time abroad. So we wanted to go to Australia. Felt like that would be a As you would at thing. 16 or 17? It was, it was towards the end of high school. Yeah. Okay. So I think but your parents like, were like chill and like, yeah. yeah. It was like first year of college. Like after okay. that. You're in college. Go. Stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> kind of a thing. So, yeah. um, Cool. That was a yes. That was a fun time because Vans was just a. It was the first time where I kind of got out of my little bubble mm-hmm. of people mm-hmm. that I knew in my small little hometown. I yep. say that as like surrounded by other small little hometowns in Orange County. I was going to say, like, didn't you grow up in Orange it, my, County? My town where I grew yeah. up in was two by two, and so I went to elementary school with the kids that I yeah, went I'd, to same thing. middle yeah. school and then yep. high school. And so this was down in Belmont Shores in okay. Long Beach. Yep. So we had people from all over. It was yep. so fun. Oh, man. I love so Long Beach. Town. Where did you grow up? What was uh, your hometown? My hometown is La Palma. Oh, okay. Yep. Uh, right next to Knott's Berry Farm. That's Buena Park. Next oh. town over is La Palma. Big deal. Growing up on yeah. Sunday afternoons, sometimes my family after church would drive down to Knott's Berry no Farm way. with my grandparents oh and go to the little restaurant yeah. Yeah, that was outside too. the park. Mm-hmm. And they had, in those days, they had one ride, okay. these cars that were not on a track. Okay. I know, I don't think they allow this anymore, but you could drive them around the around, around the track, but, it, yeah. you know, they were not sure. attached, if that makes sense. Yes. And so we would go down to Osbury Farm, and we would get, um, we'd have lunch, and we'd get their, like, jams and mm-hmm. stuff like that, mm-hmm. and we would get to drive that car. It's the coolest thing. Anyway, yeah, I love me some Osbury Farm and that house that was crooked and the, like, panning for gold. Come on. That's so fun. Yay. So as a kid, would you say that it filled you with wonder? 
It filled me with one. Oh, yes. I will say, as a kid, uh, Wonder, for sure, Disneyland. Yes. Was I could mm-hmm. not sleep the night before we were. My right. dad was yeah. super into education. Okay. I mean, he was an engineer, and he mm-hmm. thought you should be educated. Yay. Okay. Um, it was a good idea. Uh, but the so we never got to be out of school unless you were like sick or something. But uh, the one day back in the day, if you went to Disneyland during the week, it's not like this anymore, I don't think. But mm-hmm. it was not crowded. And so one day when we were kids, we got to be out of school and go to Disneyland. What a gift that was. And I could not sleep because yeah. the wonder of Disney. I mean, seriously. So fun. Yeah. Yeah. Man. That's, yeah, that's, and all Disney stuff yeah. as a kid. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not a person, I don't think, I lived in, you know, LA for mm-hmm. a number of years before moving up here. I would, we had tons of people at the church I worked at who had the passes yeah. and worked for Disney, right. that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I would have never bought a pass now as a grown up, mm-hmm. but I do still appreciate the wonder of it at some level. Yeah. 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 But as a kid, as a kid, it's full of wonder. All things Disney. Yes. Yeah. Same. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, the the idea that that's just kind of baked into who we are as people, that mm-hmm. we search for and long for things that we find yeah. beauty in, and that's what we're diving into with this first series of the year. Yeah. Long, wired for wonder, because we are for, all wired for wonder. And we so, are. Um, yeah. Let's go ahead and dive in. Cheryl, you kicked off this series. Yep. Uh, we're in a, we're studying a minor prophet. Yeah. <laughs> and that might be a new concept concept to some people. What is a prophet? What is a minor prophet? So yeah. um, why don't you give us why don't you give us a run through of what our hopes for for the series is? This yeah. is our first time. Yeah. And then we'll dive into your message and then get okay. some questions from there. Yeah, I think the hope is the title in a sense. What is it that being people who mm-hmm. are wired for wonder and I uh, obviously I believe very deeply in the Imago Day, the mm-hmm. fact that we are created in the image of God, and mm-hmm. that is incredibly significant to our identity, how we live out our life, our purpose, what we were made for. And within that, God gave us these brains that light up, right? right. When the brain scans there, yeah. probably other parts of your brains light up for other reasons, you know, sure. when they do a brain scan. But when you look at beauty, we, you know, there's research has shown that that part there's a part of your brain that that's mm-hmm. what they it's wired for right mm-hmm. and um so i think another part of our significant identity is to be worshipers mm. and when you go back to the design of our creation in genesis pre the fall mm-hmm. in eden mm-hmm. uh eden is a the original temple, if you will, right? It's the original tabernacle. And we were created to be in the image of God, representing God, uh, to be really that royal priesthood goes back to that original design Mm -hmm. that we were created as priests and priests worshiped. Mm -hmm. And worship can be expressed in lots of different ways. It can be expressed in song. It can be expressed in prayer. It can be expressed in doing of good things. Um, You know, present your body as a living sacrifice. That's your perfect uh, form of worship, Mm -hmm. you know, in Romans. Um, So I think wonder in and of itself, uh, you know, it's cool that my brain lights up. Mm -hmm. Uh, But... 
Uh, but I think it's it's a part of our DNA, our design that when we worship, mm-hmm. when we are encounter wonder, mm-hmm. uh, we're living identity. And when we do mm-hmm. things, you know, it's kind of like why um, you don't have to believe in God to experience, in my opinion, the design of God for you. <laughs> Um, and so when people do good deeds, we know that's something kicks in. I don't know if it's endorphins. I don't know. The scientists can all tell me later, but, um, but something kicks in that we feel good. Right. Uh, and that's, I think that's, that's part of being designed to worship, to be people who, um, find wonder outside of ourselves, um, and uh, yeah, so anyway, yeah. that's the thoughts behind the sur- sur- that. series at some level. But it's interesting that we would ground it in Habakkuk. Very much so. Right? Very much so. <laughs> like, I'm fully tracking yeah. with, yes, if we observe yeah. the world around us, mm-hmm. we can see that, wow, there is some amazing things that are happening, whether right. that is a, um, like like in your story, like the Grand Canyon or Yosemite mm-hmm. or something like that, or maybe, a wave breaking at yes, over at Half Moon Bay, exactly. right? Like, I mean, yes. that's your church. It's just like, mm-hmm. I can't, I can't not look at it. Mm-hmm. I'm just take, I'm, yep. I'm, 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 it's yep. amazing. Um, yeah. The Milky Way stars totally when you get out out yes. of the city for a bit, and yep. it's an easy leap to say, well, for us as Christians, mm-hmm. obviously, but I would argue that it's probably in that vein where people can be like, there, there might be something else behind this. Yeah. Like there yeah. is some kind of innate sense of something that's baked into what I'm looking at because it makes me feel in a different way than when I'm looking at something else. Well, interesting, connected mm-hmm. to my sermon, I didn't have time. Ooh. You know, when you're writing a sermon, you have to just, like literally you're cutting out words. Yeah. But when I did that trip to the Grand Canyon with that friend of mine, sure. that coworker of mine, when we got there and we were standing, you know, and, and watching, looking over the edge and mm-hmm. all the things, there were these m- group of men behind us. Mm-hmm. And you could tell they had been on a business trip as well. And mm-hmm. they had come up to the Grand Canyon. Mm. And one of the men, they were talking about mm-hmm. like the beauty, Look right? Yeah. And one of the men said, I don't believe in God, but this could make me believe in God. Interesting. Yeah. And then we just, you know, we yeah. were totally listening yeah. in on their conversation, and and uh-huh. it, it it seemed one right. of the other guys mm-hmm. might have been a believer in Jesus, mm-hmm. and he kind of made some comments, not very appropriately, and yeah. was you know, but kind of just said, "Well, I I think he kind of said like, well, I do believe in God, and and yes, and then they chatted a little yeah. bit, but yeah, interesting, yeah, yeah, I'm noticing that in in a theme with some of the circles that I'm around that mm-hmm. aren't you know, my Christian friends mm-hmm. here, but mm-hmm. um, it seems like there is a either a resurgence, whether that's our culture and time and place mm-hmm. or escaping the hurry or what. But mm-hmm. when people go up to Tahoe mm-hmm. or they go on a hike and a backpacking trip, yep. there's something about being in nature, being in, yep. in the quiet, similar to the garden, where yep. it's just you walking around with your dad, yep. just saying, wow, look how amazing this is. Yeah that brings back a different kind of feeling in those people. Mm-hmm. And that's something that maybe I'm going to try to dive a little deeper on this year is having some conversations around that with them. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know, mm-hmm. it's interesting because I do have friends who really nature, I mean, they wouldn't be like, I hate nature, right? but they are city people. Mm-hmm. And I've asked them about mm-hmm. that. Some, oh, interesting. You know, yeah. and I think, uh, 
for them, what they describe is kind of a similar thing mm -hmm. that lights up to them in the city. Like when they are, you know, Times Square, which might for another person might be like, that is just overwhelming and too much. Or to be in a um, large city, Shanghai mm -hmm. or... Um, I'm thinking like a Singapore. Yeah, or Hong like, Kong. Yeah. I think Hong wow. Kong, especially mm -hmm. when it's on a non-smoggy day. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, there's something mm -hmm. that can just, there's an energy and a mm -hmm. life to that. So sure. I, I think that's what's interesting about when I was doing the dive into the research. And, mm -hmm. you know, I just quoted that one research that was actually from the Smithsonian magazine. But mm -hmm. there was a number of articles and things I read. And what I thought was interesting was that it said when somebody looks at or listens to something they perceive as beautiful, because what's also cool is that we all perceive different things as beautiful, you know, and one person can listen to uh, classical music and not, you know, they might be, that's fine, but that doesn't really light them up, but they could listen to some grunge band <laughs> that they, that really mm connects with them mm -hmm. right and and so that's what we have to be careful too is mm -hmm. when we seek to define beauty i think mm -hmm. for our series i do think god is beautiful mm -hmm. jesus is beautiful mm -hmm. and i think that's transcends all things personally yeah. uh but if you can come to understand him in that yeah. way so and it's super interesting that we're centering this in this book <laughs> yes. where you have this prophet who's like, God, I see this world around me, but yet the beauty is hard for me to see sometimes because of all the other stuff that I'm observing. Totally. So I love that you started chapter one and worked your way yeah. down. Yeah. So let's go ahead and dive in a yeah. bit if you can give people a little um, recap on your message. Yeah. Um, well, I have to say, uh, as I was preparing and Phil knows, I kind of <laughs> reached out to him like, mm -hmm. okay, um, we're in Habakkuk, Wired for Wonder. Um and this is, you know, like you said, and this is not a book that I would run to for beauty. Right. Uh, but it, so it ended up being such a fun, from a preacher standpoint, such a fun challenge for mm. me personally. Mm -hmm. Just um, I have never, I realized I've never uh, preached on Habakkuk. I never led a Bible study on Habakkuk. I was influenced the book of Habakkuk. I took a minor prophets class in seminary. Mm -hmm. And also when I was in college or no, when I was doing college ministry, InterVarsity mm -hmm. did a thing on this, this thing on um, Habakkuk and it was really, really well done. And uh, so the challenge of course being that this is this, this is ho horrific. This is horrific. I mean, there, there's no there's no way to make it pretty that um, the people of Israel are just have s slid into th their own demise. Really, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, they Habakkuk's seeking, you know, praying to God on their behalf mm -hmm. at some level, and then God says, "I'm going to bring the Babylonians through," and they're going to wipe you out. Yeah. And I think often when I'm reading scripture, sometimes I will kind of try to put myself in the scripture and wonder, you know, what was, what was this message or what was this like in the middle of it? Because so often, you know, we're now looking back and so we can jump 
so quickly too. And, but God used it and it was okay. But God, did, I mean, you weren't seeing any of this kind of hope of this for, I mean, I don't know, century, decade. I don't, you know, I don't even know the timing of it, but it's not, yeah. it's not like, like what I, like even when I look at the book of Exodus and I think about Israel wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, right? I t- trying to even put myself in that. It's a long time to walk around. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so anyway, I, yeah, I, I just, uh, so I find Habakkuk fascinating, like I said. I, I do think, and obviously the, the scholars that I rely on when I'm preparing a sermon, um, m- you know, r- repeatedly noted uh, that really Habakkuk is about somebody who is in a sense, ultimately showing us how to live by faith. The theme, mm. a theme, a big statement in the book of Habakkuk is the righteous will live by faith. And I think, the here's the thing, we tend to think of um, the righteous, like the people who do good, the people who are do-gooders, the, all that. Um, and I think the righteous are those who are connected to God, who are worshipers of God. It, it is what's profound. I don't know how to look at it anyway, except through the lens of Jesus, because I am on this side of Jesus. Right. And so that's what's so profound when we know that, um, you know, he who knew no sin, Jesus, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 21, he who knew no sin became sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God, that we've been given righteousness. And so then you take Habakkuk and you hear God's word, the righteous will live by faith. What does it look like for me who has been made righteous? Whether I think I deserve to be, I don't deserve to be made righteous. I don't necessarily display goodness and all these things all the time in my life, but by God's grace, mm-hmm. I have been made righteous. Mm-hmm. And so what does it look like for me to live by faith? And I I just love, and I said this in the sermon, I love that it didn't mean that that Habakkuk went all chirpy and Pollyanna, right? It mm-hmm. didn't mean that he just jumped over it and said, well, God will work it out or, you know, whatever. God says it. I believe it. Mm-hmm. But he actually wrestled mm-hmm. with God, right? He wrestled with him. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, faith can look like wrestling, and that's good news. Yeah. So... Yeah, he didn't really love the answers that he got from God. And God didn't really give him an explanation on why, or don't worry, it'll be okay. Mm -hmm. But it was just, this is what's happening. I acknowledge what you're saying. And there's a big theme in Habakkuk's responses, Mm -hmm. his, um, even his questions of just honesty. Mm -hmm. And so what part, um, what part of this engagement and holding on to God, how does that intersect with being honest and, yeah. and bringing ourselves, our honest selves to God? Well, I mean, I might put it back on you, Mark, mm-hmm. in some ways. I mean, you're married, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And you and Missy, what what does it look like for you to hold on to your marriage? Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. if you both <clears throat> go into denial mm. or pretending mm-hmm. or whatever, mm-hmm. I'm not sure you're really holding on to your marriage. Mm-hmm. I think you're holding on to something that maybe for is 
you know, this is the thing. We do things that work for us, right? So mm-hmm. I can go Pollyanna because it works for me because I don't actually want to face what is true. Hmm. And so I think holding on to God mm-hmm. is bringing your most honest self yep. to yep. him. Yep. Right? Yep. And so, and knowing that he can handle it. Now, right. Missy's not God, so you might need to be careful, you know, and <laughs> and you sure. want to be careful with your words. You want to be yeah, careful how you course. say it, timing, all those kind of things. Mm-hmm. The beauty with God is you don't have to be as careful. Mm. You don't have to be careful. Mm-hmm. He's God. God is not like, oh, no, I can't believe you thought that. Mm-hmm. He knows what you think. Yep. Oh, my gosh, I can't believe you're raging like that. Sure. He's like, rage away. Yeah. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm here. I'm, yeah. I'm here for it because I'm here for you. Mm-hmm. And your willingness to engage with God says to God, I'm, I'm here for you, God. Mm-hmm. I'm here to engage with you. So mm-hmm. I don't know if that's helpful. Yeah. I think that's helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I think I've observed a lot of people that try to craft language or prayers perfectly, and if mm-hmm. they didn't do it right, mm-hmm. then God didn't listen. Right. Or yes. I'm afraid to show, you know, I'm afraid to get mad and be angry at God because then that feels like a disservice to God. So right. um, that's good. How can we yeah. encourage those that are feeling that way mm-hmm. to really just feel a little bit more comfortable or take a step Mm -hmm. towards, I just need, God already knows. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. No, that's great. That's a great question. Because yes, I I see that. And I'm I'm tempted for that too. Like I think we're, the thing I'm, I can be convicted of at times in my prayer life for sure, Mm -hmm. in my engagement with God is that am I really leaning into a relationship with the living Mm -hmm infinite, intimate God, or am I superstitious? Hmm. And I've had to confess that to the Lord many times and just say, God, I I recognize I'm functioning out of superstition right now. Um, I'm functioning out of if I can get this prayer worded right, um, if I can... uh, If I can do the right things Mm -hmm. religiously, Mm -hmm. then... I'm uh, then, you know, I either obligate you, God, to do what I want you to do, which is superstition super, or or, yeah, it's this like, you know, I'm I'm battling ghosts. I'm battling mm. um, karma. I'm battling those things rather than really engaging God. Yeah. So I think what I just would continue to encourage people is to figure out how what do you need to most bring your honest self to God. And what's hard, like about a podcast like this, and this is why I so believe in personal discipleship. I think there's corporate discipleship that happens in a pulpit or happens in a group or happens in those kind of settings. But where I can sit across the table from somebody and say, um, what hinders you from you know, and, and, and different, because different, again, different people's personalities. Yep. Some people just aren't ragers. Mm-hmm. which is nice. Don't be a rager, you know, but some people are, so bring that. But a lot of people aren't. They're like, I don't, I don't yell at my husband. Why would I yell at God? And I'm like, good, that's a good idea. Don't yell at your husband. That's a bad idea to yell at him. So, but, but just, that's not me. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. What, so what, what helps you bring your most honest self for some mm-hmm. people it's writing, right? Yeah. Uh, for some people it's, um, 
it is just, you know, going into a quiet, a private place and yelling. Uh, for some people, it's, um, I don't know. I, to be honest, I don't even know what it is. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think for me, I don't think, I'm, I'm not a yeller, uh, but I think I'm a, I am write. Mm-hmm. I write things out. Sometimes I write things out and then throw it away. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I talk, I do talk out loud to God. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, my prayer life is mostly out loud because I live by myself. I can do that. I, in my car, I can do that. Um, sometimes I'll even do it hiking if I people aren't around or if I put sure. my earbuds in, people yeah. might think I'm just talking to somebody. That's silly that I even care, but I do. Uh, so anyway, yeah, I think figuring out what's, what is, what is the most helpful to you to bring your most honest self. Mm-hmm. And if you don't even know how to bring your most honest self to the people close to you or to yourself, then, yep. then that maybe find a friend who's yep. better at that than you. Yep. And ask them to help you. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, I think that there is, um, and it's it's hard to say I'm perfectly self-reflective and can bring all of my honest thoughts all the time to God. Totally. And that's where, you know, that kind of that corporate priest fits in for me where yeah. it's, a, it's, a, it's a friend, it's a friend group that might acknowledge something and then you dive deeper into that with a trusted friend that is, hey, yep. you know, let's talk about this or that. And that for me is a great way for... For me to do some self-reflection and examining, and for one, for me to be honest with God, I feel like I have to be honest with myself. Absolutely. And a lot of times, I don't want to be honest with myself. Yeah, and it, it is a little bit to me of a circle because I mm-hmm. think, and I think Augustine and said this and others uh, that if you want to know God, you have to know yourself. Mm. If you want to know yourself, you have to know God. Yeah, makes. Yeah. And I and yeah, I think okay. that is true. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, and it that it's a relationship. Yeah. Right. And, and that's the when we talk about a relationship, I, it, we have to also acknowledge it's a mysterious relationship because mm-hmm. we use the analogy of you and your marriage. Right? right. Well, that's not it's not apples to apples to my relationship with God, because mm-hmm. sure. one, God is God. Mm-hmm. Two, God is invisible. Mm-hmm. Three, I don't I very rarely have any sense of an audible Mm. voice of God. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's been about three times in my life where that's been cool. pretty close to that. Yeah. But so that's not the same kind of relationship. Yeah. And I have to, yeah, I have to figure that out. Right. And it's interesting too, because as we progressed through your message, um, we went from having an, uh, like an invisible God that's out there to mm-hmm. an intersection with Jesus, mm-hmm. who was there with people. Yes. And so why'd yeah. you choose to kind of leave have, like leave that prophet behind, sure. leave these grains with God, and then kind of bring it towards what Jesus brought. Yeah, well, a few reasons for that. One, um, I've been highly influenced in some of my training around t- preaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a, a book, uh, what's his name? Chapel, mm-hmm. Brian Chapel's book, Christ Center Preaching. Um, and then Tim Keller, uh, I received that kind of paradigm for preaching probably before I was introduced to Keller, but mm-hmm. um, Tim Keller has been Brian Chapel and others um, who are escaping me their names. Sorry to them. Um, books on this kind of idea around Christ-centered preaching. Uh, they, you know, you can read books. I think Keller's been the and Martin Lloyd Jones. Uh, probably are the best 
listening for me to help me actually really capture that. And I've been highly, I'll just name it. I mean, all credit to, I've been highly impacted by that paradigm of preaching and by Keller, Mm -hmm. Martin Jones and others who kind of riffing on Paul, maybe in first Corinthians one, who says, I determined to know nothing among you except Christ crucified. And when I preach, Mm -hmm. I want to preach Christ. Yeah. And so, I like I said earlier, even, I, I can't look at the Old Testament without looking through the lens of the New Testament. Hmm. I've had seminary professors who mm-hmm. don't agree with that position. Hmm. I mean, who kind of feel like you have to really look only at that Old Testament text and not look forward, because the audience... You are looking for authorial intent when you study a book of the Bible. So okay. the author's intent was not necessarily a full full understanding of Jesus that we have. They might they definitely had a messianic understanding, sure. that kind of thing. Um, so the answer to your question is what I I want I want to anytime I have an opportunity to preach, I want to put Jesus on display. Yep. The other thing is I I think. Uh, there's no way to f- come to the hope and what I believe, again, the gospel, the good news is Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I think it's spectacular mm-hmm. that Jesus, the mystery of Jesus is almost as confounding for somebody who was in that moment. Again, let's take a Peter, let's take a disciple. In the moment of Jesus and his life, they're expecting the Messiah to come as a conquering king, a political rescuer. We're going to, you know, now Israel's going to be put in their place. Same thing as Habakkuk, right? Mm -hmm. Habakkuk is like, God, you need to come in and wipe all our enemies out and put us back in the place we belong. And so the connection is hard to ignore and, and to ignore that, yes, I can look back and we can celebrate Christmas and go, oh, sweet baby Jesus. And we can celebrate Easter and go, oh, yay, resurrection. Mm -hmm. But for the person in that moment, this is not looking like victory. This is not looking like a conquering king. Mm. Um, This is looking like defeat. This is looking like the enemies are winning. Um, so it, yeah. yeah, hard not to yeah. put that together. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, yeah. and I think that there is an injustice piece, um, mm-hmm. that Jesus focuses whole life and ministry around mm-hmm. and what feel felt like, and rightfully so to Habakkuk was this is an unjust thing that is happening. Mm-hmm. And so, um, to get kind of both sides of that, to mm-hmm. get, um, God, the father's side where it's just like, yes, and it's happening. And then you have um, the study of Jesus's earthly ministry, where mm-hmm. it is focused around trying to insert God the Son into these places that are full of injustice. It's just a really interesting way to say, yes, <laughs> you might not get an answer, or yes, you will eventually get an answer. Either way, there is a part of God that is with you in that circumstance and wants to hear your honest thoughts and feelings during it all. Yeah, I think the other thing I would add which I had in my sermon, you know, so many things you just can't say everything. Sure. But um, I think it's it is important for us to to remember as we study the scripture that when God, I don't, I, I we we all lack 
a term for this? Is it he allows injustice mm-hmm. or he doesn't wipe it out immediately mm-hmm. or he, um, you know, like the Chaldeans or the Babylonians, you know, sweeping through. Um, I think it's important to remember God never condones those things. So people will get all tripped up on, well, what about all the wives that David had? You never see God condoning or giving him multiple wives. Now, he takes them. Sure. And he's within a culture that that's culturally acceptable, and that's what a king would do for all kind of political reasons and all those kind of things. But I would say, if you are reading the you know biblical narrative, every time somebody makes those kind of choices, it usually ends up bad. Um, and you never see God condoning that kind of thing. So yeah. interesting. Uh, so you know, I don't think you see even in Habakkuk, God isn't condoning. He's actually naming. He's saying these are sure. bloodthirsty people. Right. This is this is in they are unjust. Yeah. He's not condoning, but he is again, lack of better term, allowing, using, um, Working in the context of a sinful, broken world, I do think, and we've talked about this before on the podcast, um, the doctrine of sin is so important. Mm -hmm. And we as a culture don't like it, and we want to ignore it, and we don't like to talk about sin, and we want to prettify it, and we think that if if my church doesn't talk about sin then maybe my friends will become christians or something i'm like you know to be, and maybe this is my own journey imposed on this but to me i remember when i heard about sin it was like good news hmm. in a strange weird twisted way but it, i remember in high school being like oh that explains why I can't seem to get better. Mm-hmm. That explains why I keep saying, okay, I'm not going to do blank again. I'm not going to do this again. And I, it's, sin isn't just doing things. It's this, it's this nature that I, I have a, a, a natural bent toward selfishness. I have a bent towards moving away from God rather than depending on God. Um, and so... You know, I do think that doctrine is so important to understand that God for and I don't you know, this the things I don't understand. I don't you know, I don't fully understand the fall. I don't fully understand mm-hmm. that God then, you know, allows Adam and Eve. Then we have Cain and Abel and we have this progression in Genesis of just further and further if to borrow from Steinbeck, east of Eden. We're just going to go further and further, further east, which is a going away from Eden, going away from God. Um, and in all of that, he's bringing about this redemptive plan that wasn't a plan B, that was a plan A in the garden. I don't get all that, but yeah. anyway, so doctrine, theology, those things really matter for me to have any kind of understanding of a book like Habakkuk mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. whatever. And that's where I think if we don't have that those deeper understandings, then we do go chirpy and yeah. and simplistic and mm-hmm. all the things. Sure. So And that's something that I really loved about this series too is mm-hmm. we gave people an opportunity to mm-hmm. ask some of those questions. Yeah. Um and so we've gotten I was at 
I was at the Mountain View campus in person this past weekend. And so um, loved seeing people writing those questions. We actually got a few that um, we've curated. Mm -hmm. And so we can dive into a few of those. Now, I thought that I'd like to ask one for myself. Yeah. Mark's into the Wonder Box. Love it. Um, what What is a prophet then? And what uh, qualified someone to be a prophet? Why was he a, a minor or a little prophet rather than a major <laughs> prophet? Are there prophets today? Yeah. So your mm-hmm. thoughts around prophets. Mm, okay. Wow. Um, well, a prophet was a messenger of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, we use the language of major and minor. Those are words we've come up okay. with. Uh, ma- a minor prophet. I don't even know that we Wasn't say like ranking, major. Not like a no, ranking. No, it's not a ranking. Okay. It's uh, the smaller prophetic books, like a Habakkuk, mm-hmm. Jonah. Mm-hmm. Those are referred to as minor prophets because of the length of them. Got it. So uh, there. This is a. a you know, I, I'm a little trepidatious to jump too deep into the deep end but uh today the the language of prophet and it, you know are there prophets today and all those kind of things yeah. i would say that i believe in um you know i think it's calvin or i don't know who originally came up with prophet priest and king or kind of uh the roles that we as believers take on okay. um that like when when Peter talks about the priesthood of all believers, that you are we are a royal priesthood, but he's going back to in Christ you've been restored to your original design, which in Eden was to be a priest, mm-hmm. um, to to be uh, that that conduit of of God uh, t- to pray to proclaim God. Um, also in Eden, they were royal. They were um, they were going to reign. They were going to rule over. That was the first mandate, the cultural mandate that was given to them was to rule and reign over creation. And so, those early theologians were were kind of trying to give names to that in Christ our identity has been changed. You know, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. And with that new creation, I wouldn't necessarily want to say new roles, I would say mm-hmm. redeemed and restored roles okay. of a prophet being a messenger for of God, a prophet being somebody who proclaims God. I think mm-hmm. every believer in Christ um, has that has that uh, calling cool. that you pl- proclaim Christ. You're a messenger of who God is in a very simplistic terms. Yeah. I think when people, I think you always want to be careful when people are like, you know, I have prophetic giftings. I'm not, okay. I do think there is prophetic yeah. gifting. I just think that anyone who says I have prophetic giftings and God said, mm. I will run from that person. Mm-hmm. Uh, to have, but for somebody to say, you know, I think, again, I think every believer in Christ has access to this by the Holy Spirit, yep. has access to hear from God yep. and share that message. Mm-hmm. But that has to be done within the context of those bumpers when you go bowling, you know, (laughs) put the bumpers out. Never say God told me. Always say I sensed, I think. Mm -hmm. Would you help me to see if this Mm -hmm. is from God? Mm -hmm. Uh, So I'm doing that in the context of community. I'm doing it in the context of God's word. Does it align with? And I'm doing it in the context of... um, the spirit and uh, yeah, community, God's yeah. word. 
And I think the heart of that is to alleviate any weird power dynamic that's there. Oh my gosh. It's Talk. just, it's a true edification, a true building up, a true mm -hmm. encouragement. It's not a, mm -hmm. I will wield this in a way that makes me better or you less or whatever that looks like. So. Yes. Yeah. Abs cool. And that's a okay. great way to put it, Mark. And I do think we, oh, that's what we always have to be very, very cognizant of power dynamics. Mm -hmm. And that's where even in the church mm -hmm. where somebody can give a pastor too much power mm -hmm. or it's kind of like, pastor, come pray for me. And I I mean, I do think part of being a pastor is to pray for people. Oh, absolutely. But to think that I have greater access to God yes. than you do. Yep. Or, or a pastor's prayer will, will work better. Work better, <laughs> have more weight, whatever yeah, that looks like. Yeah, that goes like. back to the superstition thing, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Great. So. Thank you for yeah. answering Mark's wonderful yeah, question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we could talk more about that. Yeah. That's there's a lot. Uh, more let's that. dive into one or two of these. Yeah. So yeah. we have a few here. Which yeah. one? Which ones would you like to tackle? Oh gosh. Um, well, I appreciate this. Somebody wrote, um, "Why does God allow suffering?" Which I, I, I I'm not going to be able to s step into that uh, fully and deeply. Mm -hmm. But they added, which this is what I appreciate about this question. I have struggled with anxiety for so long. Mm what can I do? And, um, I, I think one, I don't know why God allows suffering. I just don't, I don't have any kind of answer would just be trite probably at, at some level. As far as anxiety, I personally have struggled with anxiety and depression. Um, I went through in my late twenties, early thirties, I went through a depression uh, where I was went on antidepressants. Thank you, God, for medicine. Thank you, God, for therapists. Uh, thank you, God, for those folks. Um, and I remember talking to a kind of mentor, older friend uh, about this, and he had also gone through depression and all that. And he was, he had kind of come out of the cloud of that, the darkness of that, and it really can be a darkness. And he said to me, he goes, I bet you want to know how I, I got out of it, right? <laughs> and of course, I mean, literally, if he had said, jump on one foot every day for 15 minutes, I would have done it because it was so, I was just okay. in a dark, dark yeah. place. It was so hard. And so, you know, of course I said, yes. And he said, I don't know. Hmm. And in some strange way, that was freedom to that, that... I, again, back to superstition, back for, to looking for formulas, back to look for all the things. Um, I think I wanted a formula, and uh, I, I don't know that there is one. I, I'm so sorry for this person who's struggling with anxiety. I get it. Um, I, I will say in that season of my life, and I have still struggle at times for sure, um, I read uh, St. John of the Cross is uh, The Dark Night of the Soul. Mm. Um, I, and I, I would recommend it. It's not an easy read. It might be helpful to read with others. But um, that's what St. John of the Cross, that Dark Night of the Soul, he's trying to get at. And um, he really, you know, comes to a wrestling of, I think God, I think that, that God loves when i read genesis to revelation i see that god loves three things he loves um he loves worship worship of god he loves love he loves love 
He loves us being people of love, extending love. He loves faith. Mm-hmm. Um, he does because faith is an expression of wor- worship and trust. Mm-hmm. And he loves humility. Mm-hmm. And um, sometimes our suffering and those things are just places that we are able to live in. And I think humility is ultimately a, a, a space of dependence, a space of God, you're, you're better and more beautiful than me. Um, I need you. Uh, but I don't know. I don't know why I, 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 I don't think there's a formula out of it. Uh, again, I am thankful for therapists. I'm thankful for medications, um, when necessary, I think, all those things. Um, but I don't, I do know for me, like I look back, I remember saying to somebody that, that it was about a three or four year, really, really dark, deep, deep darkness. And I remember saying to somebody, I would not wish this on anyone, Mm. but I also don't know that I'd want it taken out of my story. Mm. Um, there was a, Mm -hmm. there was some kind of intimacy with God that Mm -hmm. I can't explain. I can't describe Mm -hmm. It's my own little thing. Mm-hmm. And um, so my prayer would be with the anxiety, depression, I don't know. I just, I, my hope would be for anybody walking through that, um, that they have some people to walk through it with them and that they have people who are willing to not try to fix them or um, cajole them or shame them, but just be present. Mm-hmm. Just be present. So. I don't know. That's probably not a helpful answer, but, but thank you for being honest. Whoever wrote this, thank yes. you for sharing that. And I, I pray you have somebody walking that out with you or willing to be present with you mm-hmm. and not trying to fix you. That's what I would say to that. It's mm. beautiful. Well, well, thank you, Cheryl. Yeah. Um, thanks for your time. Thank you for leading us into this series where we can, I mean, I would probably make an argument. This, this book is full of anxiety. Yes. Great and point. So, Great point, Mark. Yeah. Uh, I, I honestly don't know where this is going, to be honest. I don't. Yeah. I haven't read the rest of this story in a long time. Mm-hmm. And so I, like this person, would like to be met with some relief of stress mm-hmm. or anxiousness. And mm-hmm. I'm hoping that it will do that. Or mm-hmm. in the process of learning together, that yeah. in itself might be a way for God to enter into our stories more. So yeah. I appreciate you. I appreciate mm-hmm. um, your time. I appreciate that you're such a a great voice in leading us into some of these harder topics and being able to navigate it well. Um, And again, we have opportunities for you all as listeners uh, to ask some of these big picture questions. No question is off the table. Can't guarantee that we can get to all of them, but our pastors, our staff um, are all, these questions are circulating. So um, if you would like to be contacted about it, great, put your name down and we can definitely get back to you. If you want to rename, rename anonymous, <laughs> then yeah. just know that these aren't going unlooked at. And so you can text those into us at 650-600-0402. Prayer requests, questions, whatever that's like. I can do mm-hmm. my best to um, to answer as much as we can here. Um, and I'm just so gr- glad that we can start yeah. all this journey of wondering together. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks, Cheryl. Yeah, thanks. thank you, Mark. Mm-hmm. Fun to be with you guys. Yeah, have a great week, everybody. Bye, Queso! Bye, Queso! <laughs> <laughs> So you did so good.